Welcome to the Heads Up Podcast. I am Jason Rogers, the head of school of Rundle College Society, and I'll be your host for this season's episode. With each new podcast, we hope to explore interesting topics relating to Rundle College student, faculty, and parent life. This season, you'll hear interviews with faculty, parents, alumni, students, and educational experts. Each episode will aim to provide an insight and context to the happenings in and around our community. Thank you for joining me and everybody in the Rumble College Society on this journey, and I hope you enjoy this Rumble experience. Welcome back to the Heads Up Podcast. On today's episode, I'm thrilled to be interviewing Miss Nicole Jordan. For those of you who do not know Miss Jordan, let me give you a brief background on who she is and what she's done here at Rundle College Society. Ms. Jordan is a born and raised Calgarian. She did her education degree at the University of Lethbridge and immediately following her convocation with a Bachelor of Education, she took a job teaching biology at Rundle Academy. Since that time, nearly a decade has passed. Over these years, Ms. Jordan has continued to teach biology at Rundle Academy, but she's also expanded her role into admissions and the work of its assistant principal. Last year, Ms. Jordan also finished her master's degree in education at the University of Lethbridge in the specialty area of neuroscience and inclusive education. And finally, Ms. Jordan is a proud mother of a two-year-old. His name is Nash, and she is expecting her second child in the months to come. Please join me in welcoming Nicole to the show. I'm in Nicole Jordan's office here at the Academy, and we're about to do our interview. Nicole, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, really exciting. As everybody knows, I love the Academy, and, and there's nothing more than I like that I like to do than talk about the Academy. So first of all, Nicole, why don't you tell me why, why do you love the Academy? Mm, great question. I love the Academy because I believe this building is for second chances. Regardless of entering our program at grade four or grade 12, it is the building of second chances. Every parent that seeks out admission to our program is doing so because their son or daughter is not having the success that they know their child's capable of in their original educational setting. And so we provide that opportunity for a kid to have a fresh start and to be able to really build the confidence that they should have and and develop a better understanding of who they are as learners and and truly reach their potential. We always talk about Rundle Academy as the ability to move mountains and and that's truly what we do. We're that second chance of moving that mountain or 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 summiting that mountain if you will and that's that's one of the reasons why I love the Academy. From a professional standpoint, I love the Academy because it forever challenge you challenges you as a teacher. I'm constantly forced to rethink my curriculum. So despite having taught Bio 30, for example, for over around 10 years now, I'm never bored of that content because every semester and every student forces me to rethink that content. How am I gonna make it attainable by every student with all of their diverse learning needs and be able to have them gain mastery of that content and also be able to apply it and be really successful in a diploma exam. So from an admission standpoint, the program is brilliant at providing students with that opportunity to really just see what they're capable of. And then from a teaching perspective, it it makes me love my job every single day. 
Wow, Nicole, that is powerful stuff. Definitely gave me chills, and I'm sure uh, parents out there who are listening and thinking about their children struggling in school would agree that sometimes second chances are, are lifesavers. So, mm-hmm. um, wow, really, really exciting stuff. Now, Nicole, you mentioned teaching biology for over 10 years, and, and I have to say that um, I've enjoyed sitting in on dozens of your classes and watching you teach, but I'm curious today, uh, what, what would you say is your secret to success in teaching the biology content material? I think the secret to success for me is that although I love the biology curriculum and I love the ability to be really creative and inventive with that curriculum, what I really focus on in my instruction is beyond the curriculum. So what I really want students to walk away from my course with is the skills that they need to be effective learners. And I think far too often uh, our profession in general and, and just general society sees adolescence as an age where students should be able to have a thorough understanding of what it means to take notes or to engage in a class or how to study or how to manage their time or how to apply knowledge. I think those are skills that we incorrectly believe that adolescent students should be able to do. And the reality is, whether uh, they have an LD diagnosis or not or struggle with attention, in terms of brain development, it is not there. And we need to provide explicit instruction around those areas. So for me, from the beginning, it's always been teaching about biology, teaching about the neuron and the nervous system, but then teaching beyond that. So teaching students the skills that I know they are going to need following my course. The likelihood of even 75% of these students ever walking into a biology-based classroom again, whether it be in high school or post-secondary school, is really minimal. But I, what I hope for them is that they're able to walk away from my class with, of course, the knowledge that they gain from being a part of that class, but also a skill set that's going to carry them through life. So what's really important to me is that I explicitly explore those strategy pieces with each student. And and I'm confident that that is what makes my course successful. And that's what I always appreciate when students come back and visit is that they'll use the strategies despite not even being in the same faculty in post-secondary school. And I, and I really believe that should be the focus of all instruction. It should be beyond the curriculum because we're not just preparing students in this little box of math or bio or science but we're preparing them for the next step in the real world and with my understanding of neurodevelopment of students I think that's why that works so well for me because I understand it's beyond that and I understand that that they need that support and we are we are doing a disservice to the student if we don't assume that we need to teach them those skills. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, you hit it on the head there, uh, Nicole. I think being in the hallways of the academy or the college, it's really enriching to hear faculty talk about things like cognition and metacognition and strategies beyond the curriculum. And I think that's secret to many of our successes. So I think you've done a, just a perfect job of, of articulating that for us today. Now, Nicole, a big part of your job here at the Academy is working on admissions for the program. And I know that you work on the grade 4 to 12 admissions, and I know you have lots of insight about who can benefit from the Academy program in particular. So I thought that would be just a natural segue from your classroom teaching to admissions. And and I wanted to ask the question of you, who do you think is a perfect candidate for this program? 
The admissions profile for our program is students who have been diagnosed with an LD or so a learning disability or have struggles with attention. And now within those categories, our students have average intelligence, which is um, really important because our program does not modify curriculum. So modification refers to taking Alberta curriculum and teaching outside of that curriculum frame. Our school does not do that. So our grade six students are writing the same provincial exams as you would see at the college and our grade 12s are also writing the exact same diplomas that you would see written throughout the province. And so a key piece of our, the admissions process is ensuring that the students we do bring into the program have the capability of having success within curriculum standards. Now that always makes parents nervous because they know that their child isn't at grade level in all subject areas and that's really common. So for example, if your child has a reading disability, that means they most definitely are not reading at grade level. Now what we are able to do at the academy to ensure that a student who isn't at grade level for reading can still find success within that grade level is by providing accommodations. And so that's a really key differentiating factor to our program and other programs like ours is that we don't modify, but we accommodate. So a really common accommodation that we all use is things like Surrey on our phone or using glasses because we struggle with vision. Those are all just regular accommodations that we build into our lives we don't even realize we're using. And what accommodations come become for students is just as seamless. So the ability to use software on your computer that allows you to have text that you've written read back to you or have audio versions of textbooks or books that you're reading in English, all of these minor accommodations that can be built into their day allow them to have endless ability to reach the potential within the curriculum. And I think that's such an important feature that parents really understand when they're when they're shopping for schools is the difference between those terms because very often when I talk to parents through admissions they aren't aware of the difference between modification and accommodation and I think that is so important that they're empowered with that knowledge and and furthermore that they're able to see how special the Rundle Academy program is in the fact that their child's potential is just as grand here at the academy as it would be at the college and that end goal looks the exact same. Awesome Nicole. I think there's uh, two pieces to pull out of there. First is when you come into the academy you really get a sense of a universally designed environment mm -hmm. where kids do have access to information so that they can ultimately reach their potential and like you said earlier oftentimes their potential reaches far beyond just learning the basic curriculum but also a really well-rounded understanding of their cognition and uh, how they think and the tools they need and all those self-advocacy pieces so um, brilliant work over here no question uh, the follow-up question in this one is if there are parents who haven't been to the academy who are listening to this program and they want to know more about the program and see it with their own eyes what what can they do Excellent question. We have weekly tours just about through the entire year um, and those tours provide our parents an opportunity to come in to hear about the program and then actually see the program in action. So all of our parent tours run during the school day and the reason for that is we really want parents to see that what we're saying is actually what happens within the program. 
The other really unique thing about our program is that instantly parents always comment on the feel of our school. So from the second you walk in the building, there's a sense of, of comfort, of safety, of acceptance. Um, and we speak to all those things in our tour presentations, but the parents always feel it when they walk the halls. And that's that's such an important feeling that our, that our parents and our students should feel because as I've mentioned, these students are not coming from the most optimal situations in most cases, and they're really looking for a safe place to land. So it's not uncommon to see tears in a tour, tears of happiness, <laughs> tears of thank God this place exists. Um, and that's and that's really something that happens so organically in our program, and, and students who do join instantly feel that, that comfort and that safety, and as they should, and as all students should. Another piece of the program, though, that I forgot to mention that's really important to highlight is the fact that despite being a small school, we have big school opportunities. And that that opportunity for students to be involved in the program in a variety of ways. So yes, our students do struggle with a area of academics. And so it's really important that we provide them with multiple opportunities to build confidence in other ways. So whether it be athletics or international travel or joining student council, that's really important to us is that our students become involved in our community. So from an admission standpoint, we're also looking at those pieces is do you want to do you want to get involved and do you want to take a risk in getting involved oftentimes students that we meet wouldn't have taken the risk in their previous school because they were worried about being cut for from a team or potentially just the weight of their academics were too much to balance with the idea of extracurriculars whereas we would really encourage that we even encourage at the high school level for a student to join the volleyball team and give it a shot and, and develop skill and, and with that develop confidence and and really be a member of our community from from 8 a.m. to sometimes 9 p.m. every day of the week. Wow, what a great place to be, Nicole. Thank you for sharing the, the insight on the admission side of your job. Now, one thing people might not know about our program or our faculty is that a significant percentage of our teachers have gone on to study further beyond their bachelor degree and do a, a master's degree in some area. And Nicole, I know that you just finished your master's degree down at University of Lethbridge. And I'm really interested in hearing more about that. Um, however, more specifically, we'll, we'll start digging into uh, some of the research you did. So during your graduate degree, I understand you studied and wrote about student self-perception, specifically the feeling of luck when it comes to performance tasks. Uh, let's start there. Why don't you tell me more about your research and writing in that area? So when I started exploring what I was going to do for my final research project for my master's, it was actually at a grade 12 orientation camp, which we do at the beginning of the year. And we were we always have a campfire circle talk where we talk about the year and what do we need to do to achieve our goals and what do we need to stop doing to achieve our goals. And I started to see this theme bubble up within the population. And that was the fact that a lot of times when they experience success on a test or success um, in, an, in an assignment, they were attributing that success to random luck. They weren't seeing that it was actually the utilization of a particular strategy that was allowing them to be successful. 
and I was totally shocked by that realization was that they weren't making the connection to the fact that the strategy was the root cause, which was concerning to me because these were students that were about to go off to post-secondary school. And if they're attributing their success to luck, then they aren't going to return the strategies that are truly what are making them successful. And so that started to inspire um, what I was going to research over for over the coming months and what I really tried to focus on was the transition of an LD slash ADH student to post-secondary school. Now, what may not be surprising is that research is really limited in that area, particularly research from a Canadian standpoint. Um, so there's lots of research around transitioning students with complex needs into from high school into the job force or into living independently. But there's this really unique niche of students with LD and ADHD that are moving to post-secondary school. And just now we're starting to see more research. And the reason for that is, is post-secondary schools are trying to figure out how to manage this large number of student population that's now entering their program. So where I really focus my research is how we could better support our students leaving the academy into those environments based on not only feedback from our own students, our own alumni over the past 10 years I looked back at, but also what post-secondary schools were experiencing and what they were finding. So three really key features I kind of was able to break down all the research down into as to qualities that LD and ADHD students need to be successful, but I would argue all students need to be successful in those environments. So the first was self-awareness, so that ability to truly understand who you are as a learner, where are your strengths and weaknesses, and the ability to advocate within that space. Now, in terms of the literature, that whole concept is embodied within the term self-determination. So that was a key feature and I knew coming from the academy that we, we do really focus on that and we are constantly talking about strengths and weaknesses. But of course my question to myself was how do we, how do we enrich what we're doing already? The next big piece was for students to use their accommodations and be familiar with them. The reality in schools outside of Rundle Academy is that the opportunity to use audio, the opportunity to have an isolated space to write a test, um, the opportunity to use a text-to-speech software, sometimes most graduates aren't experiencing those until their diploma exam. And that may be the only exam all year that they actually got to use those accommodations. Whereas at the academy, those accommodations are used forever, every day, from morning to night, um, when the students are working on the mastery of their content. So that one was an easy, yes, our students are doing that, that's not a concern. And the last piece was um, truly understanding the learning strategies that student needs to utilize. So everything from organization to time management to study skills um, to the ability to be resilient and back, bounce back from a poor, a poor test um, is all wrapped up in that. And from that original conversation I had with our students about them attributing things to luck, that let me know that despite us teaching strategies through our classes, maybe it wasn't explicit enough yet so that the student wasn't able to see the connection between the strategy and the success. And so from, from that point, um, in doing my research and, and exploring that further, we've made some 
huge gains within our senior high program this year and that are really isolating out those three pieces that we know are characteristics our students need to have. And so that's really encouraging to me. I think our program was already doing a wonderful job about setting kids up for post-secondary and I got that feedback from the alumni which was so nice to see. But I'm, I'm never satisfied with our program just doing a good job. I want us to be doing a great job and I want us to constantly be improving and using science and data from our own alumni to do so. And so this master's has just been the stepping stone in doing that and now we just continue, we'll continue to run with it and continue to get feedback from our alumni and continue to, to adapt as, as post-secondary schools are adapting and as our student population is continuing to change and grow. But I'm really excited with all the information we've gained um, as a result of myself and, and my colleagues really exploring this and, and we're excited about what the future holds. No kidding. Uh, what an incredibly rich response and incredibly rich research, Nicole. There's no doubt our students are, are in better hands now than they were before you started your work. And, and I think the listeners out there will understand why we feel so lucky to have you as a part of the program because of the hard work you're putting into better understanding the learning of, of these high school students. Okay, now to round out the Rundle 5 portion of our program, I've got one last question for you, Nicole, and it comes back to the student as, as everything does here at Rundle. Um, if you were to give one bit of advice to a student who has a learning disability, um, what would that advice be? Because our population has grade four through 12, the timeliness of when that child was diagnosed with their learning disability really varies across our program. But whether the child be in grade two when they're diagnosed or grade eight when they're diagnosed, that, that diagnosis comes with a lot of weight. And a lot of that weight is carried by the parents. Um, and whenever I meet one of these parents through the admissions process, they feel so deflated by that diagnosis. And what I always tell them is that it's actually really empowering because what it's provided them with is answers. Essentially, for every single student that walks into this program, I have extreme insight into their strengths and weaknesses through their assessment that I would never be able to have if a student didn't have an assessment. If they didn't, I'd just be going with my gut. I'd be having to wait a couple of months to get to know them more to be able to figure out those weaknesses and strengths. Whereas with an assessment, I'm able to know a lot about that student before they've even walked into my classroom and therefore I've been able to plan for them before they've even walked into my classroom. So in no way does that diagnosis reflect a potential that that is less than. I truly believe that students with LD and ADHD, their potential is just as great as any other student. I would actually argue that our students with their diagnosis who graduate in grade 12 are having a greater sense of self-awareness and who they are as learners when they transition to post-secondary school because the unfortunate reality of our students is they've all had to face mountains sooner than most kids do. So whether it be in grade four or four through 12, they're experiencing those, those constant struggles and that need to be resilient and, and show grit. It's through those moments that I think we grow as learners and individuals. And so 
it would be incredibly hard as a parent to know that your child's having to face those struggles. But I think the power of it is that they're, they're learning in a really safe environment and that they're able to just develop in a really rich way so that when they are attending post-secondary school for their first year, they have the confidence and they know exactly what they need to be successful in that environment. So not everyone takes the same pathway up the mountain or the pathway to their end goal, but the reality is the end goal can still be found and it's just needing to rethink how, how do we get there and what do we use to get there. And I think that's something that parents really feel safe with when they hear that information that they don't have to throw out all their dreams for their son and daughter. It's just a matter of, okay, we've got to get creative. We've got to rethink what this pathway is going to look like, but we're going to get there. Great, Nicole. I think uh, that's spectacular advice. And um, what you're giving is the opportunity to find the gift in the adversity. And I think that's really a lifelong um, habit that we can all form that will help us whether we have a learning disability or not but to look for the gifts in adversity and, and I think you've done a wonderful job of articulating that. So if you've been listening to the podcast you, kn- you know that we close each program with a portion called the Rundle Rumble and the Rundle Rumble is a quick fire word association game that I like to play with each of our guests just to give a little bit more insight as to who they are and, and what makes them tick and also gives us a little bit of insight into their passions and their interests. So, Nicole, uh, here we go. I'm going to hit you with 10 of these, just the first thing that comes to mind uh, as I say each of them. Okay, we ready? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm ready. So, number one, biology. Fascinating, ever changing, my passion. Two, Lethbridge. Ooh, great school. Undergraduate degree, graduate degree, supportive environment, forward thinking. Would recommend it to anyone. I'm with you. I can't say enough about the program down at University of Lethbridge uh, in education and other areas. Absolutely spectacular. Uh, number three, admissions. Such a gift. Uh, yeah. Awesome. It is. Number four, orientation camps. So much fun. The perfect opportunity for new students and the opportunity to really discuss what the year can, can entail. Awesome. Uh, Number five, learning disabilities. An opportunity to better understand yourself. Number six, the brain. Oh, my favorite. A rich supply of unknown questions, but so much that we can use, particularly in education. Number seven, we move mountains. Oh, we do move mountains. Um, We move mountains every day. Number eight, Vandermeer. (laughs) Uh, our fearless leader number nine running oh if I wasn't pregnant I'd love it way more but a passion okay and the last one number 10 is a success success looks different for everyone but we provide the opportunity for success wow powerful stuff Nicole um Just a great interview today. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy day. I hope uh, a lot of people listen to this and feel really comfortable bringing their kids to see you at the Academy. And um, yeah, well done. And thanks for all the hard work you do. Thanks for joining me.